saw each other less than 10 hours ago <laughs> we did we should have recorded I, it we should have <laughs> <laughs> should have been miked i know we'd probably be struggling a little bit less right now that's true yeah but it was a fun time it was good to see you guys it was um, good yeah it was good and i think one of the realizations i came to last night is baseball is dead it's dead. It's completely dead. I think I think I'm ready to call it on baseball. <laughs> it's over for baseball. Uh, yeah, I'm declaring baseball dead. Because here's the main reason. I hate the NBA offseason. I hate it. It's it sucks. It's so annoying. It's not interesting. It's just irritating. Yeah. But there are so many people online that you could tell are just drinking in every second of it. They love it. The speculation, fake trades, using the trade machine. Yeah. Together their own packages. People are obsessed with it. My point is, is if baseball weren't dead, you'd have way more people being like, this sucks. This is annoying. I don't care. Someone call me when something happens, but until right. then, I don't want to hear any more speculation. I'll be watching the Yankees. But I'm still more engrossed in all the Knicks bullshit than I am in how awesome the Yankees are. Right. Right. Yeah. There is something to that. Um, I don't know. I guess the counter is baseball for all it's, it's just like, it doesn't have that, but it just kind of drones on in the background and like that droning on still rakes in like tons of money. And, you know, you have that guy Juan Soto of the Washington, the Nationals, who like turned down $440 million <laughs> because he knows he can do better than that, you know? Um, so the cash that that sport generates is still massive. Right. Um, and, you know, baseball still wins, like in its each those local markets. It's the most popular program in its market every night, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's still like big, but it's I it, yeah. The NBA is weird though, because the NBA seems to like generate so much more conversation than its relative popularity would suggest. Like the NBA is much less popular than the NFL. And even college football. And oh, yet, yeah. the NBA generates, like, the media. I don't know. Doesn't it feel like the media obsession with the NBA is dwarfs the fan interests in some, in some respects? Like, a hundred percent. The media loves the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the NBA, I just think it, the, the NBA media types, especially. There's enough of them that skew younger, and so they're very online, and so they're really yeah. engaged on Twitter and all that, and that's where all this buzz gets created. And the NBA, I think, is pretty savvy in kind of understanding that and then following kind of what the NFL did because really, first, the NFL is what became just year-round coverage where, yeah. you know, I remember being in gyms when I was in 
college and on the TV in July or not. Well, July is pretty soon, but like March, there's just NBA, there's just NFL live is on and they're actively talking about the draft. And, you know, the NFL was kind of at the forefront of making the draft a huge event and, and all that. So I think that the NBA has gotten pretty smart about it where like they said to themselves, okay, we have to turn ourselves into a 12 month a year product. Um, and they did it and they did it really well. And then I think you're right. It makes it seem like, well, and the other thing about the NBA is it's not that football's not good at or for this, but NBA highlights on Instagram, TikTok, social media, you know, the NFL is good for that, but the NBA is just better. I don't, I can't yeah, really yeah. describe why. It kind of feels like the NBA, like people like to talk about the NBA and not more, and they don't like to watch it that much. Yeah. <laughs> they, they love, they like to watch baseball, but they don't like to talk about it very much. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And then the NFL is the, is the, is both. People like to be both. And then it's like, because <laughs> I think, you know, the media must be responding to something. Like when they talk about the NBA on like first take and, sports center like it, it must move the needle you know because they do right. it a lot in a way they don't about hockey or and it's not just a like rights thing because they have baseball rights and they have so it's clearly like people care but it's like it's just this weird sport where like people love to like yell about lebron more than they like want to watch a laker game it's just strange that's very <laughs> true i think it's also because of the stars in the NBA, like the NBA stars are bigger stars than yeah. stars in the NFL. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Where again, right. people want to know what LeBron is doing. Right. Not, not just like, you know, how's he playing? How many points did he score last night? They want to know about LeBron. So LeBron's going to get talked about on first take and yeah, you know, but I think you're, you're very, that was so true. We have to like make some sort of venn diagram or matrix about watching and talking and all that because that's very that's so that's so interesting <clears throat> this is a great point because it is hard because even on even as a, as parents with families it's just not that hard for me to carve out a sunday afternoon to watch the giants yeah and it's not hard for me to carve out time to watch a knicks game either but there just is a difference between sunday and november versus Tuesday night in February. Yeah. Yeah. No, the NFL as a viewing sport is the best because it, it only, it asks so little of you. It just is like, here's this one day. Yeah. It's one or four. It kind of moves around. So you can, you don't even have to like kill your whole Sunday. <laughs> um, it's three hours, honey. I just need, I need it. <laughs> <laughs> baseball asks a lot of you, but on the other hand, baseball like just gives you so many opportunities to watch your right. team. Yeah. Um, so even if you don't watch it that much, you can still get a pretty good amount of baseball. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But the, uh, the, all right, so let's get into the annoyingness of the NBA off season. I just listened to uh, our friend, not real friend, but someone we both pay money to Jonathan Macri talking to Fred Katz. Uh, and, you know, Brian, I think that the Knicks have all the leverage. They have the best offer by a long shot. Fred Katz has now said twice in articles that the Knicks B package is better than anybody else's A package. And the only 
logical conclusion we should come to is that the Knicks need to do whatever it takes immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Why can't I get like psyched up about this? Like, I know this guy's really, really good. Like it's, you know, in some, in some ways he's almost being underrated by everybody. Like the guy's really, really good. Um, and I just find myself like, I'm not waiting on pins and needles for it. Um, and I don't, I'm not like excited about it. I don't know. Like, I guess it's like, it's a, it really depends on the deal. You know, like if we keep, you know, of that OB Grimes, the quickly threesome, like how many of those guys do we keep and all that? I guess I'm just like, that starting five, like Mitchell Brunson, RJ, Randall, Mitchell Robinson. I just like, I don't know. It just, it feels like a clunky group that like, I don't know. Like, is that is that going to work? Like, is that a good team? (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely like five talented players, you know. But like, it's a strange. I and I like, you know, RJ might be better, and Julius will rebound. He won't shoot as poorly, so like, maybe my shooting concerns won't. You know, Brunson shoots a pretty good percentage from three, but he doesn't take a lot of them. Mitchell's legit, really good three-point shooter. Um, I don't know. Like, it just doesn't feel like if, if th- that five just feels weird. I totally agree. That's a weird five. I think the concerns about defense with Brunson and Mitchell as the guards is legit, if for no other reason than just their size. Yeah. They're both small. Yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be a problem. And then, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that, right? It Should we think that Tibbs is such an excellent defensive coach, he'll figure it out and he'll find the right buttons to push? Or is it almost like it's a bad thing because his expectations are so high and what he's able to get out of those two is not going to be what he needs and that could be a disaster? I don't know. Between those two scenarios, where do you lean? I mean, I... I kind of trust that he'll figure that out. Um, you know, the weird thing about Donovan Mitchell is he came into the NBA and everybody thought it was like with a defensive reputation and that his offense was going to have to like blossom. And then it was the total opposite. He hasn't been a very good defender. So I think there's like some thought that this is an effort thing and Tibbs might maybe he's the right guy to sort of get him to recommit to defense. Um, Draw it out of him. Yeah. But I don't know. And then I, I guess, like, who's the bench? I, you know, again, it really depends on what we send out. Um, yeah, what was the bench that Matt texted us? Well, I guess that also depends on so many trades, but I hated that. Yeah, one. like Fournier. Is, is Fournier on the team? Is Grimes on the team? Is Obi on the team? Is Quickly on the team? Right. Like, if it's, you know, Rose, Quickly... Um. Grimes, Obi, and Sims or something. That's, you know, or uh, what's his name? Hartenstein. Hartenstein. That's pretty fun. That's a pretty little fun group. Yeah, very fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I guess we got to see it. I I, I just, for some reason, it's like, I I feel like I, I should be more excited. I totally agree with you. And I think I have a short answer for the question you're asking. 
but coming in the form of a question, which is, does having Donovan... <laughs> you okay? Yeah, the mic just fell. <laughs> um, does having Donovan Mitchell on the Knicks guarantee... Just forget who else we have on the team. And assuming we, we trade for Mitchell, we lock him up long-term, and he's one of us for a good long bit. Does having Mitchell on the team make us a consistently competitive NBA team? Just him alone. Are we good every year? Not him alone, but you probably don't need that much to be like a playoff team with him. He's that. Okay. I think he's that good, right? Like, Okay. Like... Yeah. How good Trey Young makes the Hawks, right? Like, yeah, okay. They they can still be the eight seed and they can get bounced in the first round, but like they're not going to stink, you know? Yeah, you're right. I think he's like that. Okay, that's a good answer. That's a good comparison, almost too. Yeah, where like what he can bring us. Okay, right. You know, I, I go ahead. It's just like you did just watch this guy, like you know just like they felt like they got to the end of the road with this group, you know, like, yeah. So you're watching them detonate this thing with a 25 year old all-star and they're like, yeah, we'll trade him. Like, so they don't feel that he's, you know, they feel like it's worth, I don't know. That To me, it's again, this is like another thing, the, the problem with the NBA here, you have this team, they have two all-stars, right? Like, and, and they feel so boxed in, like, <laughs> that there's no realistic path to improvement that the only thing they can do is take those two guys and trade them for a zillion draft picks so that they can be terrible and hopefully get, you know, LeBron 3.0. Like that's what they're doing. Yeah. Like, it, it's a, it's an insane situation really. Right. Like it is, I mean, it just is. You're right. Just flat out, it's crazy, right? That, 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 that the system is set up in such a way that this is like a logical move to make when you're like pretty good. And it's just like there's no way to even get – like all they need to do, the Jazz, is like, you know, both the guys are like in their primes. Like they're not like, oh, the run is over. The run just is like in the middle. And they're just like, no, we'll never get over the top with these two guys. I mean, it is definitely like market – you know, is a factor like they're Utah. They can't attract those. Like nobody's going to take less money to go win a title for Utah. You know, like they have that disadvantage that we wouldn't have, but it's, it's like, it is amazing that it's just like, now, you know what? Let's be one of the worst teams in the league. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's crazy. Cause obviously this, this is just not something that happened when we were growing up and, ourselves right. falling in love with Dan like that would never ha- it would be never. insane right yeah it would be completely wild and I do think that like I'm glad almost I'm glad that that's not what the Knicks are doing and I do want to get to this in a little bit about how I think everybody generally just has to calm down about the Knicks and the leverage so like kind of where we started but just first I do get the I do understand where for some franchises it makes sense to hold on to your guys and see what you could do and be patient and like look at Dallas and Dirk, you know, they, 
they always stuck with him and they kept trying to put the right pieces around him. And then it finally worked out for him. And, you know, that's still possible depending on, like you said, where the market is. Like Utah is different from Dallas, is different from New York. But I do think that if you're Utah, it is like, why are we going to play out the rest of Mitchell's contract with Mitchell and Gobert? I don't know who the third player to come here is going to be. We're not going to be bad enough to necessarily draft that player. And then it's like, it is, it's just almost like we kind of see what, where this road is inevitably going and we may as well do something about it. Cause I think sometimes too, and Brian, you're about to become a homeowner. Uh, congratulations. We're very excited, but you'll notice as time goes, you're going to do some work on your house and you know, you might think to yourself like, well, yeah, we're going to design our own kitchen. I definitely want an island in my kitchen because who doesn't have an island in my kitchen in their kitchen in, in 2022. But I can't really fit an island in my kitchen. So maybe I should knock down that wall, except I can't knock down that wall because this is going on over here or there's some electrical. And then you might just decide whether you can do it or not. You know, it'd be easier to just gut the whole damn house. Right. And start fresh. You know, it's right. got good bones, good bones to the house. You right. Know? And I think that probably Utah recognized that however they tried to organize the layout, it wasn't going to happen and it would just be easier to blow the whole thing up. And then I think that that's when they then decide, okay, well, I need a contractor who specializes in this kind of thing. And that's Danny Ainge, right? Like that's his deal. That's what he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and And I think it's more... Like that, like I get why they did it. I get why it's sort of like, uh, you know, we, we, we don't, we know this, we're so close, we're like actually so close, but really so far away because yeah. we don't see how we get that final piece. So just knock it down. Yeah. I mean, I get it. And there's like guys in the draft that make this a good time to do it. Um, like next year, supposedly, whatever. There's there's a few what really intriguing prospects. Um, it's still a little nutty though. Like it's st- or it's just weird that we've come to this place where that like makes sense. Rather than like, hey, we all right. We were like the four seed. We lost. You know, let's let's draft. Maybe we'll get lucky in the in the late lottery or the, you know the late first round, and we'll find Jordan Poole and. <laughs> he'll put us over the, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. there's sort of a lack of imagination to it too. Like, and I do think the risk, these people like, you know, look at Orlando who just like, they pick at the top of the draft every year and they just can't <laughs> like find that guy, you know? And now they, they had finally got the top pick and they took like Paolo Banchero, who's no sure thing of like superstardom. Um, I just saw him get smoked by Donovan Mitchell on Instagram. This oh morning. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, you know, OKC that they're they they seem to be like putting the pieces together. Actually, like, um, I, I would you know, I'd probably rather be them than than maybe even wheat than us. Um, but it's no, it's 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 not an easy road to hoe either. Like that that draft, you know, hope for the lottery luck stuff too. Um. But I get it. I just it's just wild to me that that's like where that it makes sense. I just it's such a unique sport in that way. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I also don't 
I mean, I don't think Ainge necessarily needs this, but I do think that some teams choose to do that because the front offices are a little opportunistic thinking, well, if I'm going to do a teardown rebuild, they got to give me, you know, three to four years to get that done versus where, and this is what Fred Katz, I, I listened to him talking about this morning. Really, his whole argument is essentially that there's pressure on Leon Rose to get the Donovan Mitchell deal done because he was hired because of his relationships and ability to connect with people. And he was expected to bring in a star. We're in year three. There's a star that is available that we have the right package for that wants to come here. And so if Leon Rose fails to get this star now, then he has failed in his entire right. purpose of being the GM. And that's just a, so the wrong way to look at it. First of that makes no sense yeah. at all. I mean, first of all, I think there's a misunderstanding of what Knicks fans want because they're, you know, you're hearing, well, the Knicks are going to expect a star that, you know, they, Leon Rose was supposed to bring a star. The Knicks haven't gotten a star. I don't think Knicks fans, I mean, of course we want a star, Yeah. but mostly I want to be good. I want right. to be competitive. I want to enjoy watching the games. I don't want to be just an embarrassment a pants around the ankles embarrassment like we've been yeah and that's all we want so if we don't get donovan mitchell because the asking price was too high and Ainge was too stubborn no, don't do it right you just can't do it and then you know i won't i look we sucked last year and i still like leon rose i like the way he runs things i think he's doing a good job i have faith that you know, he'll do the right thing at the right time until he proves otherwise. Who's putting the pressure on? It's Fred Katz. He's the one putting the pressure on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I don't think Dolan, I don't think, I think Dolan would love to just do nothing. Like, I really think he's fine with, with everything that's happened so far. Like, he just doesn't want a total dumpster fire where they absolutely stink and there's no hope. And the back pages are like just annihilating them, you know, like he just doesn't right. when it when it gets to an emergency situation, then Dolan's like, oh, I got to fire another guy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he, he would have let Phil run this thing for 10 years as if it was just like mildly bad, you know, like it's just when it gets so bad that then he feels like I don't think Leon Rose is under any pressure. Like, Agreed. I don't know why anyone even has that idea. Has Dolan said anything about him? Nothing, right. And and things have been pretty good from Dolan's perspective. Like, hey, they made the playoffs, and then they've got these young guys, and the fans seem mostly happy with the team. Like, I don't think there's anything that... Right. I mean, the worst thing that you could do is get trapped into a situation where you've got a bad team, and you've got a star who's not any good, and... Right. I mean, he's uh, he's only under pressure in the sense that, like, it they want the guy. They really want him, too. Like, they, <laughs> they're just trying to do a good deal. Right. Like, that's And that's what we want. The team's got to want... be good after this move. Like, they got to right. be good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I want Donovan Mitchell, but I don't, I wouldn't do anything for the guy. Yeah, right. He's not, you know... 
it's not Kevin Durant in his prime. It's not LeBron in his prime. Like it's it's that next tier where like yes, really good to have, but you know, he's not enough by himself. Obi quickly Grimes. How many should we give up, and who who are they? I like. I really said. I like. I think they should just say you get one of those guys. You get all the picks. You get whichever Deuce Cam Reddish, whichever of those guys you want. If you want both of them, if you want one of them, that's fine. And then of those three, you get your favorite. And whichever one is their favorite, they get. Hundred percent, and that's it. You don't get two. Like, and this isn't quibbling over like Timofey Mozgov and that stuff around the mellow trade. Those are good, talented young players who will be really useful on the team we're trying to build. Correct. Like, and I really don't want to give them up. Like, (laughs) I'm not giving all of them. That's for sure. Like, I mean. Well, that's also what I think is comfort like makes me comfortable with giving away all the draft picks. Kind of don't right. need them if we have those guys because they're all young. Right. So, right. you know, go ahead. Here's our draft picks. Right. And then if they blossom and they're on your team, you can go over the cap and luxury tax and all that to keep them. So, like, you can keep that team together if it's proving to be a good team. And, like, you know, I would love to keep all of them just because I do think there's a lot of potential there. And, you know... I'd hate to get rid of like Grimes and watch him blossom, you know, on another team. But so, how do you feel if we just don't make the trade? Something happens. Who cares? Miami, whoever it is, doesn't matter. They swoop in. Danny Ainge sticks it to us. We just we don't make the trade. I I think it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. And we have the draft picks, and there will be another guy. And again, we'll pick another. We'll, you know, we'll see how this team that we all were pretty excited about anyway, like how they perform. Um, you know, either way, I still, I still am a little like I still don't totally get the Brunson move. Um, but I, I don't know, especially since it, I think they had a sense. Like it feels like they'd wanted these two moves together. Um, yeah, but this was kind of their plan, and I, I, I find it's it feels like a, a strange match, and I still am a little don't totally get the Brunson signing, but whatever. I won't be that u- upset if it doesn't happen. That is true. I want because I agree that they saw that as a package deal, but I wonder why. What is appealing about those two specifically together? Right. It's a weird backcourt. Yeah. It is. It's weird. I mean, I guess, right. Like, I think you've pointed this out in the group text, too, about how, you know, Brunson's played with Luca. Yeah. So he can play off the ball. Um, yeah. I mean, look, he's played with, like, the most ball-dominant player maybe in the league. So right. <laughs> he, right, right, right. he can deal with Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Um, it'll probably be a bummer for him because he was probably looking forward to being in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, but right, <laughs> yeah. But then again, he had to know this was in the works too. I mean, his dad works for the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know? He had to know they were going to be interested in Donovan Mitchell. That also, I didn't even think about this, but you know, again, assuming we land Donovan Mitchell, 
both members of our starting backcourt will have fathers with, you know, legitimate roles in New York professional sports franchises. Right. What does Donovan Mitchell's dad do? He works for like the Cyclones or something? Yeah. Or is it the Mets or is uh-huh. he, like the Mets are under the Cyclones? What? I mean, at any rate, yeah, yeah. he's involved with somebody. Right. right? Okay. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's probably why you're not excited about it. It's just kind of indifferent to it. I think if we get him, it'll be interesting. I'd like to see where we go from there. And he is a good player, so that's a reason to be excited. If we don't get him, I'm also okay with that. Because I, I honestly, at this moment, I'm way more nervous about losing quickly Obi Grimes or more than one of those guys even than I am about missing out on Donovan Mitchell. I think that's what it really boils down to. Yeah. Maybe that's stupid. We could be right. looking back on this and being like, what an idiot. But, right. We were so overrating those three players. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is Donovan Mitchell. He's like one of the best players. I mean, I, you know, the second they get him, like when you start actually thinking about like opening night with him on the floor in a Knicks uniform. Oh, I like, know. Yeah. Yeah. It would be the first time in a long time where that opening night is like, oh, wow. <laughs> well, like, it'll probably be the first time since last year. <laughs> yeah, but Big but, Bog was born. <laughs> right. But you know what I mean? Like, we had high hopes for that team, but we didn't have anybody on the. I, you know, yeah. I guess we had Randall and who was like coming off this. You, know, you just forget Randall was second team all NBA. Yeah, I know. You know what a big I deal know. that is? That means you're like a top yeah. 10 player in the league. Right. Second team all NBA is like a ridiculous honor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think Patrick Ewing ever made first team all NBA. I don't think he did either. Or if he did, yeah. he did like once. Right, right. Yeah. Well, speaking of once, that's Randall. Once. Once. Yeah, <laughs> once. that'll be his lone appearance on an all NBA team, probably. I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, he's going to be a fascinating character. Like, what he, I saw a picture of him. He definitely looks like he's in great shape. Um, you know, who knows? But it's also not a guarantee he's still on the team come opening night. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's true. I mean, it's rumblings about it, nothing concrete, really. But yeah, yeah. And I think also Mitchell, like, all the Knicks can really focus on right now is getting that. And then, you know, once they move on, we'll see. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. And this is what this is what sucks. We just spent a half hour on the NBA offseason. We have no clue. Right. <laughs> like I know. It does I mean it feels like it's going to happen. I would it seems like it'd be shocking at this point if the two sides legit just walked away. Yeah. Um cuz they don't want him on the team. I mean that's you know when you're right. talking about the leverage like it just doesn't make any sense why how it's on us. Like they don't want him on this team next year. They're tanking. They want yeah. draft picks and they want to get if he's on the team, it blows up their whole plan. Unless they're thinking they are legit, like okay, we're gonna build around him. But if they were gonna do that, they would already be doing that. They got all the picks from Gobert. They cleared Gobert's money. Like they would just be doing that. Like they wouldn't even be doing this. Also, I won't deny Danny Ainge's greatness as a GM and and you know making trades and so forth. But he's not so powerful that he can control what actually exists in reality. Right. You know, because, and again, Fred Katz is talking about how Ainge is notorious for setting a price and then walking away. And right. don't talk to me until you meet my price. What if your price doesn't exist? You know what I mean? Like, if you tell us, the Knicks, well, this is my price, you can meet it, or, you know, I'm done with you. 
But then if nobody else can even meet what we're willing to pay you, your price is not getting met either way. And right. so what are you going to do? You know, so I get that he's pulled off some great trades, but this idea that he's going to Jedi mind trick us into something, it just it just means that there, it relies on there being a market existing that simply does not exist right now. Right. And I guess, I mean, he pulled off that one trade where he took advantage of Brooklyn with an idiot GM in a new city where they were really trying to make a splash. They had a Russian owner who was kind of a nut. You know, they were, it was a very fortunate bit of circumstances where he found the perfect partner to give him an outrageous haul. And then if anything, he became too reticent to ever give up his own precious assets to make the deal that was going to put that franchise over the top. That's true. So he's been on our side. Like, um, so I don't know. Yeah, no, that's true. Danny Ainge. I'm not scared of Danny Ainge. I'm not scared of Danny Ainge. (laughs) (laughs) Are you scared of the Saudis, Brian? The Saudis? I am frightened by the Saudis. (laughs) Things have really, like, heated up. What, in the live live golf world? Yeah. David Faraday. They got David Faraday. I I saw that. That, to me, was bigger than Cam Smith. That is, like, a bigger... That's a bigger get than, like... Dustin Johnson for them, you know? I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I do think, I don't know if you heard Rory's comments about it, like where he kind of is softening his stance, basically saying like, we're going to have to, he's not like I'm going over there. He's like, we're going to have to come to some kind of arrangement. Like, yeah. Which I think is probably right. Like, and he was sort of like, look, he's like, if these guys really want to spend like $2 billion on golf, like that's probably going to be for the benefit of all of us. And it was kind of like, I'm not going there until, but like, we're going to have to talk to those guys and figure this out. Like, (laughs) which is probably true. But I will say this, like, on the other hand, I heard Sergio Garcia, like, talking about it. And it made total sense. Like, Sergio was basically like, I've had a great career. I'm proud of everything I've accomplished. But I'm done. Like, (laughs) I'm done at like that level. I don't have to play that much. I didn't get paid a ton of money. And I'm going to be home with my family more. You know, like, that doesn't... Like, if you're live, right? That's not... <laughs> that's, not yeah. that's Like, this is... He clearly views it as, like, semi-retirement, you know? Like... There's <laughs> a pension for him. Right. And but so, like, if you're trying to sell me on this event, I know one of the guys in the field is, like, just mailing it in. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's had a great career. He, and he's like, if I don't play in the majors anymore, like, you know what I mean? I'm not winning. He's like, I'm not winning another major. Like, oh I won God. I won the Masters. I've, I've been on the Ryder Cups. Like, he views it as, like, a golden parachute. So, yeah. like, if you have too many of those guys and, like, you know, I heard like Pat Perez basically said the same thing. Like I've been on the road since I was like 22 and he's like, this is like a miracle. I'm going to make all this money, you know? And like, again, doesn't, again, doesn't sound like a guy desperate to win the live golf. Right. Invitational. I do do feel like whoever's running live has to be like, guys, we got to clean up some of these comments. All right. Like it's, don't forget we have bone saws over here. Okay. Right. We gotta sell this better, right? That plays in. Did you hear? I don't remember when this was, but I I did see a clip of Tiger. It was awesome. Basically, did you did you see this too? Yeah, yeah. He's just calling out everybody, and 
what he was saying is not necessarily a personal belief I had, but it was still awesome to hear him just say, well, I don't understand. If you're just going to get paid, whether you win or lose, what's the point? Like, yeah, yeah. you're not going to play good golf that way. If that's what <laughs> those guys want to do, fine. <laughs> it right, was right. so awesome. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I really thought, I saw the Faraday thing, and I knew that was a big deal. And I think it's bad that, you know, Cam Smith wins a major, and then the next day it's like he's probably going to live. Is it? Oh, is it? Is he going? Yeah. There was like, I don't know if that's official yet, but there was uh, all over Twitter yesterday. Oh, or wow. Or Monday even. Wow. All over Twitter was like, he's probably going to now jump to live. And I'm wondering, like, he's a young guy, wins wow. a major, and it's just like, all right, got the major. Now I'm going to get the pay. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm going to get this huge payday. Yeah. I mean, look, the money is like hard to, it's hard to argue with. Like, like Dustin Johnson supposedly is getting paid like $120 million. You know, that's the same amount that Tiger earned in prize money in his entire career. Like, yeah. that's pretty staggering, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, I think Rory's 80 right. wins. <laughs> wow. Jeez. $120 million. Dustin Johnson's going to get that to just like fart around for three rounds and like not even care. And be on the the party plane or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I I guess Rory is right, though. And it is. It's probably just good because it's going to force the PGA to reorganize itself somehow and figure out something. I mean, there's no reason they can't, like, coexist. Like, if this is really only going to... But I guess the problem is it's not going to be just eight events. So, like... I heard next year, I think the idea is to expand to 16 events for live. Uh Now, how does the PGA tour like that is like, well, how do we do that? Like we can't have these guys play 16 events on this other thing. Yeah. And then we get them for what? Like three, if we're lucky, like they'll, they'll play the players they'll play, you know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know. But you know. since the PGA is a nonprofit, yeah, how does that affect them? Because if they have fewer events, they would lose money. But they're a nonprofit to begin with. Well, they're a nonprofit, but I mean, they're people who work there are making money, right. <laughs> right, right, right. and they want the you know they, they, the tour needs money to pay the players and to keep you know it, it, keep the prize money yeah yeah, yeah. like okay. it falls right. it falls caves in on itself if they can't if they don't yeah. get the stars they don't get the sponsors they don't yeah you know i mean live still doesn't have a freaking tv deal um yep and they're struggling uh there's already now well, this is going to kind of be interesting, but I guess in September they're supposed to play at Trump's course in Jersey. Right. And because it's in now in the tri-state area, you have a bunch of uh, 9-11 families that are now kind of asking Trump not to host yeah. the Saudis. And then that's going to be kind of an interesting wrinkle to it as well, um, I think. It's just not only getting a TV deal, but then also scheduling events and how people in whatever region they're in are going to feel about that, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You know, I heard actually Rosillo talking about this and he was talking about some of these things in sports that are like, you don't like, but they're not like wrong. And he was yes. talking about live. Yeah. 
And I actually thought he was kind of conflating some things that really are very different, like NIL and what's kind of going on in college football versus like this. Um, But, you know, like sports is sort of its own thing. Like (laughs) it's its own economy. It has its own rules. You know, like antitrust is just not as much of an issue. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yes, these, these leagues are like monopolistic, but like, so what, you know, like the people who participate in them make a fortune, like, (laughs) right. It benefits everyone. It's just not like, it doesn't operate in the same universe as the rest of commerce. Um, (laughs) But there's nothing like wrong with this live tour. And there's nothing wrong with these players. Like, I can totally understand they want to it's really hard to turn down that kind of money especially in golf where like your game can just go you know like you know guys lose like Ricky Fowler is like can't play you know he's like doesn't know if he'll ever get back to like that top level so like man these guys are gonna pay me a boatload of cash and I don't have to make cuts anymore and like worry about my card and yeah, sounds pretty damn good. Like I can I can appreciate that. I just like you know, the live go- you wouldn't give it a second thought if it had real people's money behind it, right? Like no yeah, right. legit business, no private equity firm would be willing to burn this kind of cash. The cash it's taking to lure the players away from the PGA Tour is just insane. Right. And no one would put it up, but the fact that it's like this shady government that has unlimited pockets is the only thing that makes you go like, Hmm, I don't know. It's not going to like cave in on itself. Right. Like, yeah. Right. If this was like some like private equity company funding this, you'd be like, these people are nuts. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. And it's not sustainable. They're not going right. to It's going to take like a that. long time to be profitable. Like you're not yeah. even on TV yet. Right. <laughs> right and the right. events have no juice. Like there's nothing to it. The team concept is ridiculous. Like there's nothing interesting about this. Like, again, you got Sergio out there just like practically smoking cigarettes. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, you know, there's nothing that anybody is compelling about these events yeah um but if if they have the money to just hang around hang around hang around hang around they keep getting guys you know now all the top players play there well then now it's interesting and now the pga tour has to do something about it so i don't know but it's like i I still like would just don't understand how the saudis came up with this idea (laughs) yeah i don't know right it's I, it's kind of brilliant though, because what other sport could they have kind of picked off like this? <laughs> right, right, right. But it's I know. so weird. You know, we got an image problem, guys. All the mass murder, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the starving people in Yemen. You know, we got it's a lot of bad news out there. What can we do? What can we do to change the narrative? What if we just like took over professional golf? <laughs> why? Nobody was like, why? Why would we do that? You know what'll really make us popular is <laughs> is is taking over the sport with the most loathsome white people. I just <laughs> like I there are. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Cam Smith. Wow, that's shocking. That would be really surprising. But I guess you know whatever. He didn't grow up here. He doesn't have any affinity for the PGA Tour. Um, I you know I definitely like. 
whenever I catch myself like caring about the PGA tour as like an entity, you know, I'm like, uh, you know, what, what am I really, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think the argument that like guys should show loyalty to the PGA tour is like that compelling, you know? Totally agree. I look at it as patriotism. Right. We're going to let the Saudis run a major American sport. I don't think so. Right. <laughs> Are you crazy? Yeah. God almighty. What's going on with Phil Mickelson? What do you think's up with his look? And <laughs> what's happening with, what do you think that's about? I think he's doing what LeBron did in like 2010 or whatever. It just embrace the villainy. Yeah. You know, I'm a villain now. It's all out there. The books right. have been written. Everybody knows I'm a gambler. Everybody knows about my debauchery. Yeah. So forget it. I'm literally going to start wearing the black hat. <laughs> You know, like, that's it. Right. Like the five o'clock shadow and <laughs> like the leather jacket and just like, right, all black and like. Yeah. Super tan, slick back hair. Right. It's so, yeah. fu- it's just so interesting to me as like a choice, you know, like, fuck it. Yeah. I'm doing this. And he looks so <laughs> hilarious, you know. Just, I know. Like, what is this about like are you okay like is everything all right at home with phil like (laughs) you know like right how are things you know his his wife has been very quiet throughout all this like she's not on his arm at these events like like what's i don't know what's going on in the mickelson household (laughs) (laughs) is he okay like he doesn't look happy it's not like he's embracing it though and like yeah like he's coming out he looks like that's true. He's kind of like, it looks like he's just been drinking in a hotel room or something, you know? Like, he doesn't look happy. Well, maybe the Saudis are, like, making him do it. Maybe they're know. just like, like, here's your character. <laughs> like, maybe they're trying to run it like the WWF, like, right? right, like, right. You're, you're our number one heel. <laughs> here's now, your Phil. character. <laughs> so, you know, you're middle-aged. You're having a midlife crisis, but you're handling it. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, wow, Camp, I, you know, it's, I, it is very, like, I, to me, they're, like, DeShambo was a big get for them. I know people think Kepka is a big deal. I don't think the Kepka thing is that big. A, I think he's, I think his best days are behind him. And I think DeShambo is, like, a prime, in his prime star, even though he's struggling now. Um, and Cam Smith, like, that's a really good young player. Like, that he other guys could follow him like he's a normal dude tour player at the absolute peak of his powers like that's a big loss yeah no i don't think that's official yet but i i saw it in numerous tweets on monday and i was like oh my god yeah it's the next day right right wow right after the win yeah yeah but and then who knows? Who knows put, who's putting that story out there? Maybe yeah, it's Liv. Right. They're just like, oh. right. Maybe it's Norman, the Australian connection. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Those Australians. Who Those Australians. It was funny. I was watching the the open with my brother in law, and Cam Smith came on the screen. He doesn't watch golf at all, <laughs> and he just goes, "Who's this guy? Is he Australian? He looks Australian." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's Australian. He's like, oh yeah, I know it. He's like, he's like uh, loud shirt, lo- like mullet. He's like, yeah, he's an Aussie. <laughs> <laughs> that was cracking me up. Yeah. 
Right, because otherwise it'd be an act. It'd be like, what, do you dress like Joe Dirt on purpose, man? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, felt bad for poor sweet Rory McElroy. Uh Brutal. Brutal. Brutal loss. Just oh. brutal. You know, it was the worst thing, too, is like he did everything right. Like he got out there, he probably executed exactly what he wanted to do. He just couldn't make enough putts. And it was like he hit it great. He hit every green. You know, the only thing he probably mistake he made is like thinking it was a normal major Sunday and I can make 18 pars and win. And you weren't going to do that. The course was not playing like that. Like you needed to, you needed to shoot a score. Um, but it's not like he didn't really do it. He just didn't make any putts. But he, but he wasn't, it wasn't like he missed a bunch of like five footers either. Like he kind of was like, um, you know, 20 feet, 15 feet. Like he had some good looks, but God, that's just brutal. Like he just hit it wherever he wanted to, every hole probably. And then it's just like, fuck. <laughs> Is it up to <clears throat> Rory's caddy at some point to tell him, you know, you got to get a little more aggressive. You got to you gotta go for the hole because you got to play to win today. Like, I mean, I don't even know if his caddy said it or not, right? But is it up to the caddy to kind of call that out at some point if that's what's required? Or if you're a caddy, you help with the shot, but, you know, the strategy is the player's. I, you know, I think it's like, that's really probably guy to guy, like the relationships they have, you know, some guys probably do and some guys don't like, they want to let them figure out his, but they probably do. Like, I know I, I'm sure some guys tell the caddy, like, let me know what's going on. You know, like some maybe don't like, I don't want to know what anyone's shooting. Like pe- people have different philosophies on that stuff, but he had to know, like there was that stretch there where Smith made like five birdies in a row. And I, and I'm sure he knew like, all right, I got it got to do something here um he didn't really take advantage of the holes that were there but he didn't play bad you know it's just like wasn't like he choked he hit some good putts that just didn't go in like it's just like just not your day you know it's just yeah but you know why he had watched even two guys pass him he watched that you know cam young also passed him so yeah he didn't he wasn't quite aggressive enough i don't think yeah that's a shame too that's like the worst way to lose oh I don't know. You know. Man, he hasn't won one in eight years. It's like a golden opportunity. You know, St. Andrews. Ugh. Yeah. Although Tiger did not win. They got some uh, beautiful photos of him approaching. I'm they sure did. you saw. Yeah. I think it I think I think I'm calling it on Tiger. I've never wanted to, in my life to call it prematurely on Tiger Woods. But I think Tiger's career as a as a professional golfer has ended. Wow. Yeah. You know, he just he can't he can't do it. Like his you know, he still can hit it pretty good, but he's never I just don't think he's going to hold up for four rounds. You know, I I don't think he can hold up for 18 holes of like really, you know, I mean, he, he barely can, you know, he can like will himself to a decent round, but like four good rounds in a row where he's walking the golf course. Like, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, who knows if he can get a little stronger and he's still pretty, it's not that long since this accident, but like, I don't see it, you know? Yeah. I think, I think he's playing in a cart for the, (laughs) I wonder what would have gone differently for tiger. If people had the same, 
relationship to mental health that they did that they that they had it back then that they do right now you know i think people would have probably been a lot less judgy on that thanksgiving eve car accident and i think that people might have spoken differently about all the crazy things tiger was doing with his body yeah yeah um and maybe he would have been a little more supported and his body wouldn't have gotten quite so bad you know, and then he's not driving a car while he's on whatever sort of medications he's on. And I just wonder if that would have, if just a less harsh reaction to everything that went down and a little more respect for, you know, just how the way Tiger was behaving was not okay, but it's also not how a healthy functioning person behaves. Yeah, right. You know? It also wasn't like unique to him. Like there's many right. big time at star people who step out on their wives you know like it's yeah. not that unusual <laughs> well and i think it wasn't i don't it wasn't even the cheating i don't think i think it was more that people were like well you're a phony because we had no idea this piece of you yeah, existed. yeah yeah but like is he a phony or is he struggling right 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 you know yeah i mean i'll it, well, i still hate that his career is like that post that incident Pre that yeah. incident and post because I I do think it doesn't it didn't have to be and the, and the part when his back started to go that really is just that's just independent of everything else like and those back issues are really what derailed his career like by yeah. 2011 he was back you know he was really good he had a good 2012 2013 he won five times he was player of the year like he was everything he was you know and then his back went and yeah. he spent a bunch of years getting surgeries. And there was always this, like people doubted it. They were like, Oh, he's faking it. Or like, it's mental or, you know, it's really like, it's, it's mental pain. It, there was a lot of that. And no, it's like, he has a severe back problem that required multiple surgeries. Yeah. <laughs> and right. that really killed his career. And then he came back. And I do think without this accident, I think he would have had another good five-year stretch here where he would have been a top 20 player until his 50s. And then he drove off the road. <laughs> also, too, if, if the mental, if the back pain was mental, it's again, it's mental health. Get right. this guy some help. Right, He's right. not just faker. Right. There was always this like, oh, he, oh, his back hurts when he's not playing well. It's like, come on. All right, maybe he's not playing well because his back hurts. Right, right. He's not he's, <laughs> like he's not making it up. He's not faking the surgeries. He's having the procedures. Like, right. I, yeah, I never got that. There was like That's there was some... a big article in Golf Digest about like what's the source of Tiger's pain, you know? And it was kind of this like, you know, looking at his, you know, is it his personal life and all that? And it's like, no, it's like it's a severe back problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's George Costanza level stuff. If you actually get yourself back surgery for not real back pain. Right, you right. Know, just to sell that right. idea to everybody. No, and then he had a major back, you know, then he had a fusion surgery and that got him, you know, whatever. It's like, no, he had major back issues, as many golfers do. Like, yeah. it's very common. Yeah. And he had those crazy training regimens for however long. Yeah. I mean, he hurt the knee. 
doing the you know stupid stuff and who knows maybe like he overlifted and that's why his back went but i don't know it is pretty common for golfers to have back problems fred couples you know dealt with it a lot of guys have jason day has been kind of messed up by back issues um there's a long history of it yeah brian we got about two minutes left what are your hopes and dreams for the january 6th hearing tonight is it oh, it's tomorrow. No, it's, it's tomorrow. tomorrow night. right? That's it's the, tomorrow night. Yeah. yeah. Tomorrow night, prime time, Brian. I don't know. I just, like, when do we get Trump's naked shame walk through D.C.? <laughs> like... <laughs> I wonder if we can negotiate that. What would Trump take? Would Trump take two years in prison or a naked walk of shame from the, the Capitol to the White House? Right. What do you think he would choose? That's like the only appropriate punishment for him. Like that is what like his COVID response, his presidency, like he should be walked naked through the streets of DC while everyone throws stuff at him and shouts shame. Yeah. <laughs> like why? I, I just like, I, why isn't that on the table? You know, like that's what the Democrats should be proposing, right? Now. Like, you know, like Joe Biden should be like, we're not, I'm not prosecuting him because it's too difficult. I am sentencing him to a naked shame walk. <laughs> <laughs> like that's somebody should say it. AOC, I, I agree. This is I'm putting it out there. Like that should happen. He deserves that. I mean, I think that the best reason for them to do it is because it's inevitable that the Republicans are going to think of that and force a Democratic politician to do it to eventually. Do it. Right? Yeah. You know, like gonna they're going to do it. Yeah. yeah. Right. We're getting more Game of Thronesy than less <laughs> right. as time goes on. Right. <laughs> you know, I've been rewatching Game of Thrones. It's so it is such a good show, but it, it's it is interesting to watch the the devolution, you know, of just like you can tell that they like towards the end it started to be like the the first like three or four seasons had all these weighty themes and they were it was all about things and then you it just like it's now it became just a show yeah and they were like this can happen and then that can happen and you can just tell you can feel them losing sight of like what is this about i yeah. don't know it's fun it's entertainment and it's like uh, no but it'd be there was like heft to it for this really long time and then they're like i don't know john comes back to from the dead and like you know i just feel like they lost the thread and yeah then it well completely unraveled at the end they did just have to wrap it up like yeah. the thing that made the story so great and all those themes so effective was that it was so slow moving and eventually it's like man this is like we got to start to condense a little <laughs> right, bit right 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 yeah yeah all right brian good luck with the end of your week thank you and good luck to the listeners with whatever it is you do.